the accents in general were just really unfortunate, but the British one was definitely better, even though it doesn't make any particular sense. I guess it's better, so they just went with that. Hello everyone, this is Alex. And this is M. Welcome to the latest episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. This is the podcast for TV lovers, movie buffs, and binge watchers of all ages. On this podcast, we'll be discussing what we loved, what we hated, and what's just a bit problematic about the TV and movies that we're addicted to, and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic. Today, we're debuting GBB's 13th season, Heroes and Legends. During the course of this season, Alex and I will be discussing the household names, comic book legends, and heroes of folklore who have made the superhero genre and modern television great. We'll be covering various TV series, recounting their cultural impact, and chronicling how they continue to impact the superhero genre and TV writing on the whole. We're debuting this 13th season with one of the most popular, critically acclaimed superhero dramas of recent memories, Heroes. Heroes tells the myriad stories of seemingly ordinary people who learn that they have supernatural abilities and how those abilities impact their lives for better and for worse. Some become villains, some become opportunists, and others become heroes. So what did we think of this television juggernaut? Stay tuned. All right, everyone, here are some critical details about Heroes. Um, Heroes is classified as a superhero series and a drama, and it was created by Tim Kring. It was released from September 25th, 2006 through February 8th, 2010 on the NBC network for a total of four seasons and 77 episodes. The series stars Milo Ventimiglia as Peter Petrelli. He is a hospice nurse whose power is the ability to clone other people's abilities. Hayden Panettiere as Claire Bennett, a high school cheerleader who can spontaneously regenerate. Mashi Oka as Hiro Nakamura. He's an office worker who can manipulate time and space. Jack Coleman as Noah Bennett, AKA HRG, horn rim glasses. He is Claire's adoptive father. He is a secret agent investigating and capturing superhumans under the alias of being a Primatech paper company employee. Adrian Padsar as Nathan Petrelli, Peter's older brother and Claire's biological father. He is a congressional candidate with the ability to fly. Greg Grunberg as Matt Parkman, an officer with the LAPD who can read minds. Zachary Quinto as Gabriel Gray, AKA Siler. He is a watchmaker turned serial killer who hunts other superhumans in order to steal their powers. Sinhil Ramamurthy as Mohinder Suresh. He is a genetics professor with a PhD in parapsychology who is trying to find the truth behind the death of his father and continue his father's research into superhumans. 
Ali Larder as Nikki Sanders in seasons one through three. She is a young wife and mother with DID, that's Dissociative Identity Disorder, and Superhuman Strength, which her alter ego um, makes use of. Allie Larder also plays Tracy Strauss in season four. Tracy is Nikki's twin, and she has the ability to freeze anything she touches. Leonard Roberts as D.L. Hawkins. He's Nikki's husband and a thief with the ability to move through solid objects. Noah Gray Cabey as Michael Sanders. Um, Nikki and D.L.'s son. He is a child prodigy and a technopath, meaning he can talk to machines. Kristen Rose as Angela Petrelli, Nathan and Peter's mother. She has the ability to see the past, the future, via her dreams, as well as enter and manipulate the dreams of other people. This character is actually based off the character of Miss Island in The Manchurian Candidate. Dania Ramirez as Maya Herrera. Um, she emits a poisonous sound that only her twin brother, Alejandro, is immune to. Jamie Jean-Louis as the Haitian. He is Noah Bennett's associate. He has the ability to nullify other people's powers in his presence as well as wipe their memories, their recent memories. Alan Bloomfeld as Maury Parkman. He is Matt's father and one of the 12 founding members of the company. He is also a very advanced telepath who, like Matt, can read minds, but he can also control people's minds and trap them inside of their minds. So these are all of our major players and heroes. Not all of these people are principal cast members, but they are some the people with some of the most extraordinary abilities that absolutely drive the direction of the overall plot. Let's get into it. Season one, Genesis, episode 23 episodes long. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I hadn't watched the show in a really long time. Um, and I don't actually, maybe I should have like read more about Tim Craig. But when this show came out, um, it it did come out to like huge commercial and critical success. Um, huge. I mean, it was everywhere. I, I, I personally remember, like, it was just, like, sort of nonstop. What do you remember? Yeah, I remember before the show aired, there was a lot of marketing. And I gotta give it to NBC. When they put out a new show, they don't scrimp on the marketing <laughs> Netflix. Um, and they really make it seem like their network gives a fuck that you watch the show. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> watching the first few episodes and being deeply impressed because it lived up to the hype. It really did. Yeah, like, re-watching it now, like, the, the big marketing push behind the show makes a lot of sense. Because I will say... This first season really feels like NBC's answer to um, Lost and Flash Forward. Not more Lost than Flash Forward, but it definitely feels like NBC's answer to Lost, which was like a huge, which Lost was like a huge hit for ABC. So it you feels thought like it was more Lost than Flash Forward? I thought it was more Flash Forward than Lost. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I. It, I also think it's more flash forward than lost, but flash forward only lasted one season and um, uh, lost lasted a bunch, <laughs> but um, I, it, but I definitely, but it does have like lots of elements of flash forward and lots of elements of lost. And 
and it also the and then also very clear comic book x like very clear comic book inspiration um for me at least i see like a lot of like the x-men mm-hmm. and like x-men lore and powers and sort of all the it being pulled as well right that's what it was for me I wasn't watching Lost when it was at its height. Something about that show felt dark-sided. And when I (laughs) finally did watch it, I saw how it ended. I realized I was right all along. Um, (laughs) And I hadn't heard of Flash Forward. So I think it it had come and went without me even knowing about it until Alex put it on our list for bonuses to discuss with our our patrons. Um, So the only thing I could compare this show to was X-Men and was comic books. And you can definitely see that influence there. Just the time and energy and money and detail that went into making those like in-between scene, uh, you know, comic book sketchings and drawings was really, really, um, I think, a brilliant touch. There were so many things, little things that the show added that made a huge impact overall. Um, One of the things that it did that Flash Forward could have benefited from is it gave you just enough information about each character to care about them and make a decision about them in that moment in time. It didn't spend copious amounts of time giving you their entire backstory to someone you just met. Right. Like that was sort of like their backstories and like who these characters are. It's just sort of, it's kind of like, it's, like it's sort of um, dripped out. That's such a bad analogy, <laughs> but it's we're given piece but it's by true. piece as the it's as very the, show don't tell, and I like it. Yeah, and um, and I guess maybe that's what we did in twenty five with twenty five of his episode seasons. <laughs> right, and actually, Tim Kring, Tim Kring originally wanted to do what the creator of Flash Forward did, which is um, make. Well, not what he did, precisely. What he wanted to do was what the creator Flash Forward should have done, which is make each season about a different group of people. But when he realized there were fan favorites, what he did was he removed some characters from the first season that um, weren't essential to the plot, like the Simone character and the Isaac Mendez character. Um, and he kept a, a principal cast and just um, it kept introducing more supporting characters. And that worked. But his original idea of, ha- get, of focusing on a new core group every season is something that definitely could have worked with Flash Forward. Because we literally got three seasons of material in that first season. We did. It was it was a lot. I was like, woof. <laughs> this is so much. Like, I remember watching this and I'm just like... It's too much to take in. It really was. But um, I think that the way Tim Kring handled Heroes was actually really good. And there was a lot of overflow, and he talks about this, which is why they did the web-based minisodes. The web-based minisodes are good because they give you a lot more backstory and they give each character a lot more complexity. However, they're not essential required viewing for you to understand the televised series. So that's really good. Right. And I will say in terms of like the web-based minisodes, like not, I haven't watched them. I was just, just to give like context back in 05, when the show sort of premiered, um, 05, 06, 
TV networks were still figuring out like the internet and how it worked and like web-based minisodes was just like a thing everybody did. Like Sons of Anarchy has web-based minisodes for a reason. <laughs> like, oh, shout out to the minisodes. Grey's Anatomy also had them at one point <laughs> as well. Yeah, I wasn't trying to watch Grey's Anatomies and I'm glad I didn't because isn't that season, isn't that show on its like 20th season? <laughs> What extra do you have to tell me is the the real thing that I want to know. What hasn't been said? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Please oh. stop. Please stop. But yeah, let's jump into season one. Season one is called Genesis. And episode one, the pilot episode, is also called Genesis. In this pilot, we are introduced to three people, well, yeah, three people who will remain for the duration of the series. Claire Bennett, her father Noah Bennett, and Hiro Nakamura. And we learn uh, their powers pretty quickly. Hiro is someone who at first seems delusional because he only thinks he has the power to bend time and space, that he is the master of time and space. Mm -hmm. He looks ridiculous. His cheeks are wobbling at his cubicle, but ain't nothing moving. <laughs> And um, his best friend, Ando, is supportive, but also kind of skeptical. Claire finds out her power quite accidentally when she is uh, sexually assaulted by a classmate who attempts to rape her. Huh, and he accidentally nuts. kills her. Right. We don't actually get a rape scene. We get a prelude to a rape scene. She trips, um, trying to get away from him, falls... And uh, lands uh, with a, a branch or something going through the back of her head. Of course, in typical rapist fashion, he leaves her there. She's brought to a coroner. And when they dislodge a branch from her head, her brain spontaneously regenerates. And now we know her power. You really can't kill this girl. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we, we quickly find out what, what uh, Claire's father does as well. He knows... That she has a power, he doesn't know what it is, but he knows she has a power or a potential for a great power because he knows who her biological parents are. He also is not a paper company, uh, a paper company employee. He goes around hunting people like her. He and the Haitian just go around collecting people like her. You can definitely see how his relationship and the Haitian's relationship, especially to other superhumans is a direct influence, at least I think, for the cannibal in Sensate. But we also learn about Peter. He's a nurse. He's a hospice nurse. He's taking care of this woman, Simone's father, and he's dying. And Peter keeps having dreams that he can fly. Now, at first, we think that he's just having these dreams because his power's talking to him. His power's so great. But when we learn what his mother, Angela Petrelli's powers are, that she can enter people's dreams and manipulate people's dreams, we understand that she's the one giving him these dreams. She thinks it's time for him to know what his power is. Um, and his brother, Nathan, is making him feel like he's crazy for thinking that he can fly because he keeps having dreams that he can fly. Um, but he's not. And a lot of that happens on this show. People gaslighting the hell out of each other is part and parcel <laughs> for this show. <laughs> right. That's true. Uh, we, by episode two, we meet Mac Parkman, who's played by OG supporting uh, cast member Greg Grunberg. We remember him for Felicity. Um, he's no. a telepath. Um, he's a telepath. Um, and 
being a, a detective with the LAPD, his powers come in extremely handy. It's really hard to lie to someone who can read minds, especially if you don't know that they're reading your mind. <laughs> Hero's friend Ando, I think, is a really good character on the show because he's not he doesn't have any superpowers. He's not anybody special. He's just Hero's bestie and his support system. So it's kind of it's cool the relationships that they have with non-superhumans as well. Um uh, very quickly. Matt Parkman is kidnapped by Noah and the Haitian. Um, I really hate that this character is just known as the Haitian. <laughs> I really hate it. Same. I, I also hate it. Like, I remember, like when I started watching, I was like, this is really dumb because it's like, first of all, like, how do you know that he's Haitian? He could easily be Jamaican or Guyan. He could or be Nigerian. Guyana. He could be Nigerian. Like... He the doesn't even just black, talk, you guys. Like, he's just a black guy in a suit. But everybody no. magically knows that he's Haitian despite Haitian? looking at him. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, and then, like, he never talks. Like, it's weird. It's interesting how, like, hate, like, it's just, it's just interesting how Haitians are always, like, coded in, like, American television. They're always... Like they're always weird. Like they're always like ooh spooky. <laughs> like in some some sense. And right, right. He's not coded as Haitian in the way that he dresses at all. But they definitely code him as like that spooky, creepy, quiet Haitian. And his powers are even like, I feel like his powers. And later we meet his brother in Haiti. Um, are almost in the same category as like black magic. Right. Because if you can nullify my powers and I'm around you, that means you're controlling me. And that's part of, like, the zombie um, um, metaphor, as well as being able to wipe people's recent memories. That's also part of the zombie metaphor. Um, his brother's powers are also uh, involve controlling people. Um, the only upside with this character is that he is a vital supporting character and he's played by an actual Haitian. So, small favors. <laughs> and it's always weird how, like... It's not weird. It's just, like, this is one of those, like, sort of racist tropes that, like, just show up in, like, TV. But, like, the Haitian is also, like, part of that weird, silly trope where, like you said, he can nullify people's powers and essentially control them. So, effectively, he's, like, extremely powerful, right? But then he has no authority. Or, like, he... Right, like, why is he Noah Bennett's sidekick? Kick, right? Like, why is he serving this white man? (laughs) Like, what do the whites have... and in fact, it, it feels like, and the fact that, like, Haitians always occupy this role of, like, being super, like, in popular American culture of being super powerful, but then for whatever reason, always serving these white people, it feels very, it's giving, we're angry about the fact that we you freed yourselves from bondage. Right. Like, I just want you to get free. This is not what our ancestors fought for. For like it's giving like white people telling themselves nice fairy tales about like um black rebellion but whatever continue right right so once these people understand their powers they start exploiting them very very quickly um nikki the one the character that i told you guys had did her alternate personality is called jessica jessica is aware that nikki has superhuman strength and utilizes it nikki does not this is very important she's unaware that she has any powers her her alter ego does right the the saga that that storyline that plays out 
between that, all of them in the first season is kind of wild. It is. It really is. And I kind of love how they portray this character who has this enormous superpower, but also has a very severe, unmedicated mental illness, right? Um, because the alter ego is not just out here taking lives, unbeknownst to Nikki. She's also actively conspiring against Nikki's husband, DL. Like, the alter ego, Jessica, is why her husband is in jail. (laughs) And why all his friends are dead. (laughs) He don't even know. And he, yeah, and he doesn't know until, until he does know, and then he, I don't know, personally, to me, rightfully tries to take his son. He's like, this is not working. (laughs) Right, because like she needs therapy and she needs drugs, like and, massive amounts of drugs. <laughs> and she doesn't want to do that. So he's like, Well, I'm going to I'm going to parent. So like I I'm I believe in myself as a capable parent. Right. So and Claire does, I think what any woman would do in her situation after she regenerates from her injuries. She, what what better way to get back at your would-be rapist than to take him for a nice joy ride and, you know, slam into a brick wall, which is exactly what she does. Like, A for effort. I love to see it. Um, I mean, it doesn't kill him, but it definitely serves to teach a valuable lesson. <laughs> right, right. And so... So yeah, so we're introduced to all these people um in in the in this pilot. So another person, so another so the pilot is sort of while introducing all all of us is sort of setting up um not sort of, it does set up our sort of mystery or what will be the mystery of this this first season, which is um we meet Mo Hinder Suresh, uh, Sandil Ramamurthy, Mm -hmm. at first doing a terrible Indian accent, and then he switches to a British accent for no reason. (laughs) No apparent reason. No, no, it's not for no reason. It's because his Indian accent was terrible. (laughs) I mean, yes, but like... But it was like, it was just, all of it was really, the accents in general were just really unfortunate. But the British one was definitely better, even though it doesn't make any particular sense. I guess it's better, so they just went with that. So, and maybe he, like, went to producers and was like, I can't, like, I can't do this. Like, I sound terrible. My mother's talked to me. She's like, you sound like an idiot. And he's like, I just can't continue this on on You can only give what's in you to give. That's true. That's really real. You can only give what's in you to give. And so, so that happened. So Mohinder is the son of a, he is a geneticist himself, but he's also the, son of a disgraced geneticist um, in India. And his father was essentially working on a working on this theory that like evolute there that humans are somehow evolve are evolving, that this is evolution taking place. And the evolution taking place is now um, these heroes. If this sounds familiar, it should. This is a lot of the basis of X-Men. Um, and this is where I'm saying these are like... It's also the, a lot of the basis of Sensei. 
I want to. <laughs> I'm going to keep making references to this because it clearly borrows from heroes so much. Um, and so Mohin, so Mohinder uh, and Mohinder's dad, uh, in all of his Charles Xavier glory minus the superpowers is like, we need to find all the mutants. I'm sorry, heroes. Um, and, you know, connect them all. And, you know, so people can know who they are and we can help them and, and, you know, celebrate the next sort of step of human evolution. Um, his father has, was murdered, uh, for this research and, and but before he was murdered, he was disgraced. So Mohinder is now taken up his father's work in trying to find all of these new genetic, uh, genetically evolving humans, these here quote unquote heroes, and to find out who murdered his dad. Um, and that is and. Through that, we we are through that little plot of um, who murdered his dad. We then, throughout the season, uh, find out like that is added on to in the form of Skyler, Siler, Siler, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, Siler, Siler, who is our first threat um, and villain, and then. Um, and then our second uh, threat uh, of the season, which is this atomic bomb that is going to be set off in New York City somehow uh, and crippling crippling um, New York and changing the world as we know it. Right. So Siler remains our antagonist for most of the seasons on the series. But as far as villains go, the writing and acting on Siler is top-notch. This is not your one-dimensional villain. <laughs> um, this is not your little, Mom, mommy was mean to me, this, that, and the third. Um, Siler has a pretty good relationship with his uh, deceased father and his mother up until the very end, right? Right. Um, it's made very clear in the show that he always had the trappings of someone who could go crazy, <laughs> but he never did until he discovered his power, like other people, quite by accident. Right. And he thought it was one thing, and it turned out to be another. Um, his power, too, in relation to Peter's powers is really, really interesting. Because Peter has the ability to clone other people's powers. Basically, when he walks by another superhuman, it's basically like taking a Xerox copy or like a Kinko's full-color photocopy of their power. And he has it. And he can now add it to his arsenal of things that he can do. But Siler doesn't, can't do that. When he's around other superhumans, first of all, he has to consume them, quite literally, in order to get their power. And he cannot take on a power without giving up the last one. Right. So, I will so it's say, like a bastardization. <laughs> I was about to say, Siler and Peter both feel like big rogue energy. Except, mm-hmm. you know, like two characters and then also rogue's not crazy right and i mean like siler's 
powers, basically being a bastardization of Peter's powers, almost almost makes it feel as if there's a defect in his power itself, right? Mm -hmm. He's the only hero whose power demands taking the life of another person, which is weird in and of itself. Right. And, and, and it may, and like, this starts to make more sense when we all, when we learn later on in the series that, um, they all have the same dad, right? Yeah. I mean, yes and no, they're kind of like test two babies. Um, and this is kind of like a play on what's the show that's on right now. That's really popular. The boys Mm. where this isn't spontaneous. They are all the byproducts of, uh, you know, med- medical experimentation gone wrong. So the founding members of this company, the original 12, which includes Angela Petrelli and Maury Parkman, um, and, uh, you know, they were the original test subjects, essentially. All of their descendants, so we're three generations deep now, have these powers. And just like normal people can have genetic defects, the powers themselves can also be defected, and Siler is one of those people. Right, right. Um, it's really, really bad. We hate to see it. But who Siler becomes when he becomes serial killer, I'm not going to lie. Um, becoming a serial killer made him a much more confident and assertive person. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> I don't know. I felt like he could have found that his little watchmaking business. <laughs> yeah, he even says calling himself Siler, which, by the way, is a name brand of the w- w- the many watches that he he works with. Like death to Gabriel Gray, he's Siler now, and it's really interesting because he was always very very smart. He was always very very articulate. He was never quite a social person. These things don't change, but his entire demeanor changes when he realizes, bitch, I'm special. (laughs) And then it changes once again when he realizes, bitch, there are people more special than me. That's not okay. Right. (laughs) And he feels a way about it. So he becomes our protagonist for the bulk of the season. Um, There's actually one really grueling scene where he hunts down Claire because he he knows about her power and he wants it. And because of her, the nature of her power, because he doesn't consume her brain stem, her brain is able to regenerate. But that's how Siler gets his powers. He eats his victims' brains. And the reason why he knows exactly who to hunt is because he's the one who killed um, um, uh, Chandra Suresh, Mohinder's dad. Like, he literally has a contact list of all of, like, the prime targets to go after. Um, It's really, really um, interesting to see how Siler moves now that he's, quote-unquote, a man with a purpose. It's a very sinister, (laughs) pathological purpose, but it's a purpose nonetheless. Um, and we kind of see how everybody else's powers evolve as they kind of go on too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we see their parents start coming out of the woodwork, like Hero's dad becomes more involved in his life, um, because his dad was part of the original 12 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Nathan and Peter's parents are part of the original 12. Maury Parkman was part of the 12. Um, whomever's uh, parents um, 
Claire's biological mother and biological uh, maternal uncle are, they are also part of the 12. And this has been like a secret that they've been keeping all of this time while their children are out here, either completely ignorant or feeling different and feeling confused and having their parents gaslight them their entire lives. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's it's wild. It is a wild, wild ride. Um we so so right. So we're dealing with Siler and everyone eventually everyone all of our all of our main cast, our heroes, uh, come together uh, in New York City, the final showdown, to in order to try to defeat Siler and stop um, the the nuclear bomb thing that happens. And they do manage to avert disaster. Um, and they when they live to fight another day. Um, but it end, the first season ends with uh, them averting disaster. And then Hero, which I would say, I mean, his name is literally Hero. So that should give you a clue to, I think, his personality and, and moral uprightness within the, the story. Um, Hero ends up in, like, feudal Japan. Yeah, he teleports back to 1617, y'all. It is not a good look. It's not a fun time. <laughs> Um, so, um, what do we think of season one? Good, bad, or basic? Uh, good. Um, I will say, like, it was, it was a lot to, to keep him, honestly, like, uh, in my head. But I do, I, it was really good. I liked it. I liked it as well. I will say the difference between this and the first season of Flash Forward is because even though there was a lot going on, it all was leading to the same destination. There was one singular overarching plot. Yeah. And that makes a difference. You can't have you can't have three or four subplots going that have nothing to do with the the main plot, at least nothing that we can see. Um, but I agree. I thought season one was good. I thought season one showed a lot of promise. Um, and I was happy it got renewed. Season two made me a little bit afraid. I'm not going to lie. Season two is called Generations. And it's only 11 episodes. So I was really scared for the show. I didn't know why the season was so short. Um, apparently, there was uh, a decline in viewership here. And with just uh, 11 episodes, even though the, 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 they, they'd originally been ordered for 24 they managed to bring uh, the show back with between season two and um, these like six episode miniseries called Heroes Origins. They were able to bring the show back to greatness and get renewed for season three. But let's talk about season two. Um, season two, I'm not going to lie, is my least favorite uh, uh, season. And the reason for that, one word, Maya. <laughs> Oh no. This character is so dumb. I'm sorry. Daniel Ramirez is a really cute actress. You know, um, I don't have anything bad to say about her. But the twins, Maya and Alejandro, their storyline was so dumb. It was and, so dumb. And I think they're there because they wanna like they want this like cure element to like they're trying to give 
legs to this cure this cure element plot that they introduced in the second season mm-hmm. but uh yeah whatever first of all not everybody needs a cure right like cured of what being awesome um <laughs> and also not everybody wants a cure but people like maya absolutely need a cure because she's literally a walking menace not only does she have a very very deadly power the more pressing concern is that at her big age she has no emotional regulation at all so she'd be mm-hmm. killing people that she don't even want to kill in her t- in the middle of her tantrums <laughs> oh goodness <laughs> it's so sad it's so sad and then these twins her and her brother basically make it from the dominican republic to somewhere in South America, then Central America, then the United States. And I'm like, girl, a boat to Miami was right there. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's too many people made the boat trip for you to not make the boat trip. I don't know. I hate it so much. So yeah, Maya and Alejandro are fraternal twins. When we meet them, it's at Alejandro's wedding to a girl that Maya doesn't really like. And then we learn very quickly that she has good reason not to like this broad because she is cheating on Alejandro with her ex at the wedding reception. Maya loses her shit, throws a temper tantrum, um, and kills everybody. The bride, her side dude, Every single wedding guest, including their family members, the only person that doesn't die is her brother Alejandro, who is immune to her power. Imagine. Imagine. Why did we introduce this po- this, this character? Siler learned how to navigate his powers in like a week. You tell me you still can't navigate this power after 26 years, my <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. That's true. Um, it is season two is uh interesting to to say the least. Um, we you know, and this is why uh we're introduced to new people. Which when I saw that I was like, it is too early in this series to be like bringing up new people, but um. Uh, obviously Alejandro and Maya being some of our new people. And then also Kristen Bell shows up mm-hmm. doing, what does she do again? Uh, she can do things with electricity. Um, right. She's an interesting one as a supporting character because we never really know where her loyalties lie. Her loyalties are constantly shifting and she has this like on and off relationship with Siler because Siler's whole thing is loyalty and she don't know how to do that. <laughs> Um, (laughs) she really doesn't know how to do that um i know we continue this idea that these superpowers exist within bloodlines within specific families right because when um micah um is relocated temporarily to new orleans he meets his cousin monica and she has her own ability muscle mimicking she can basically do anything with her body that she's watched somebody else do so any athletic move any self-defense move like if you put on some mixed martial arts tapes or you put on like you know last year's olympics she would learn how to do all those things that those people can do great ability not um Not top tier, but it's definitely good enough to get out of New Orleans. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. 
Um, yeah, and we also this this is also the season where Matt finds out that his father Maury was part of the founding members of the company. Now, Maury Parkman, and I think this is not debatable at all, Maury Parkman is the most powerful member of the original 12 and the most powerful living person on Heroes. He does what his son does on steroids. <laughs> he's not just reading your mind. He's going through it like a Rolodex. Um, he's He can pull out all your secrets. He can use all of your phobias against you. He can make you see... And here are things that are not there. He can control you into doing things that you don't want to do. He can trap you in your memories or in a prison of his own making in your mind. Listen, Maury Parkman is not to be fucked with. <laughs> um, and I think this is why the other 12 are terrified of him, right? Um, they have made mm -hmm. threats on his life. They have made threats on Matt's life. And he basically went AWOL to try to protect his son from them. Like, right. he's like, listen, I'm going to go off the grid. Y'all do what y'all want to do. Just leave my son alone. Because he's terrifying. He's really, really terrifying. It's really hard, especially when you're someone with powers, to be around someone who's that powerful and not feel threatened in some way. <laughs> like, how could you not? You never know when he's going to turn on you. Hell, you don't even know what's real and what's not real when you're talking to this man. Right, you can never really get a handle on his loyalty or, or where it lies and, and what whatever the truth uh, is supposed to be. It's really sad. Um, and then Siler meets Maya and Alejandro. And this is interesting um, because obviously he wants the power uh, Maya has. The last person he killed was a superhero so or was a superhuman, so he thought. But he killed her and he's got no powers. And he's panicking. He hasn't been without powers in a long time. <laughs> so he's like, I gotta find, I gotta find these two. So he starts tracking Maya and Alejandro. And um when he meets up with them, he tries to like ingratiate himself with them. And you would think someone like Maya, who's naturally very suspicious, would have like, you know, her radar going off on this guy, but it's actually only her brother who finds. Gabriel's suspicious. She thinks he's great. This guy that they just met, who just happened to be here for no reason. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I and that's and this is one of those things that I think I think women in general and like female writers find like sort of maddening because it's like, yeah, she would find him suspicious. It doesn't make sense. It's sort of a failure. It's a failure of the writing to have her immediately be like, a oh, white man, I am in love. Like um, right. It's it's dumb as shit. And, like, she wouldn't be alive if she were that stupid. I'll even go as far as to say the aw shucks, nice guy, super charming, super helpful version of Siler is actually more creepy than his normal state. Because why are you here? Why are you always around? How do you always <laughs> want the right thing to say and do? That's true. It's like, don't you, don't you have a place? Don't you sleep? Don't you do other things? <laughs> right. Don't you do other things? Um, we also meet, uh, this guy, uh, Adam. Adam is a really, really good character because his character, I mean, his ability is the exact same one as Claire Bennett's, which alludes, especially since he has the same coloring as her and her mom and her uncle the the uh, blonde hair brown eyes that he is their ancestor right, right. but 
um, like he's he, he's like a member of the twelve or somebody that who preceded the twelve, but his exact same ability as her. And Hero had to basically put him down. Um, back when they had teleported to feudal Japan by lodging an object in his brain, similar to what happened to Claire in season one. When it was removed, he was back on the move again. And his ability to regenerate had also caused him to age incredibly slowly. Um, but the Adam Monroe character is really cool because, again, the season is called Generations. So we kind of get to see what to ex- what we can expect in our hero's future. Like, Maury Parkman is who Matt is going to be if he keeps honing his ability. Adam is who Claire's going to be if she keeps honing her abilities. Right. And so on and so forth. Right. It is this interesting. And we do, I think we get um, a really interesting at least for our sort of main people in in Gabriel and the Petrellis and, and Claire, um, we get uh, these really interesting and cool uh, character studies this season. Right. And I think the Claire character is really, really interesting um, because I want to say other than Peter and Nathan and Micah, She's the only hero on the show who's a byproduct of two superpowered parents. When we meet Claire's biological mother, um, we learn that she and her brother are pyrokinetic. They can make fire and control fire. She better than her brother, but still. <laughs> um, and so you kind of you kind of see what you can expect and how strong the powers are when you have two super two superpowered parents and it always led me to believe that maybe this is why peter's powers are like you know the upgraded version you know like uh gabriel's powers are in like beta phase <laughs> and peter's are like you know rollout marketing phase uh, <laughs> Because he's got two superpowered parents. Both Angela Pacioli and her husband are very, 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 very um, powerful. Um, so is their friend. What is his name? Linder. What is dude's name? You know the one who was blackmailing Nikki in season one? Yeah. Uh, Linderman. Linderman. Linderman has the power to uh, heal people or wound people. Um He's also very powerful, but he, it's one of those people where still not as powerful as a Maury Parkman because he actually has to touch you to do something to you, right? <laughs> um, when I watch this series, it becomes very, very clear that a lot of people are underutilizing their powers or misusing their powers. Like you could have just gone off and lived your best life, but you decided to be evil. That's true. <laughs> Like, the waitress hero meets, for example. He meets this waitress, um, Mr. Schuster's fiance on Glee, you guys. It's it's her. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, he meets this waitress. Her power is this... Um, she this, can, like, remember uh, everything that she... Yeah, reads. yeah. She has, she has, like... She has, like, this completely, you know, uh, her, her memory is like an encyclopedia, like a tape recorder. And there's no limit to how many things she can remember. Like, the quantity is seemingly endless, right? Um, and she's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. This just happened a few weeks ago. 
because what had happened was there was like some sort of eclipse followed by a meteor shower and it gave more people powers and she was one of those people but the side effect of her power is that um later on in her life in her elderly years she would get cancer um it's really really interesting to see the people who came into their powers people who are born into their powers what they do when they get those powers but i feel like nobody's using their power correctly um even in season one when we were dealing with the painter isaac mendez isaac ugh, such a waste of talent isaac really sat up here you guys and honestly i feel like this is just like drug addictings um alex <laughs> isaac really believed that he could predict the future but only when he was high what <laughs> right and then like and and then they go with that and like there's like a whole in season one that's like the, the that's like a driving thing yeah which is like i and it felt like it was trying to say something about like how artists can how artists who feel like they can only make art when they're high but like it wasn't landing i don't know what they were trying to do with that yeah and they even tried to tell him like no you can actually it's fine you can do whatever you want. You don't need the drugs. But he's so convinced that he needs the drugs. They're like, okay, fine. Here's the drugs. Just paint the future, please. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, um, the season ends. Season two ends when Nathan's about to give a press conference and go public with his powers because he has the ability to fly. And he's shot right before he can say anything. Right. Which, I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Like, what did you hope to achieve by going public? Because I feel like going public would have only put everyone in greater danger. Yeah, this is always, like... I feel like the we're going public with our powers thing is, like, a very... It's always what all the girls do in these types of shows. And it's always... It's just never a good idea. That's... <laughs> and I don't know, like, it's never, it's never a good idea, but this is definitely, like, um, I will say his had more, like, Charles Xavier energy once again, but it's still not a good idea. Right, it's always niggas who can have, who can do basically benign things, like, fly, and who are really good-looking and really wealthy who want to go public. Right, and in fact, like, I always, that's always an angle that I wish these shows would take about, like, like that because like i said this is that's that story has been done so many times in so many different genre shows and one of the angles i wish these these shows would be brave enough to consider is that like um how uh only certain people how like governments and institutions would only be happy with only certain people having powers mm -hmm. and, and only certain powers right yeah, and only certain powers, and how, like, everybody else would get rounded up and, like, shot. Girl, the way I would deny, deny, deny. <laughs> deny, deny, deny. Like, like that's sir, I make less than 40k a year. What power do you think I have? Don't be stupid. <laughs> like, there's, um, there's a comic book creator that... And there's a, there's a comic book, uh, a graphic novel that's out that I can't remember the name of, but I wish I did at this moment but the but the but the premise is basically like superhero is like the same sort of premise of heroes where like heroes are 
are coming into being, like their human evolution is happening. But the first people it's happening to, like in terms of people getting powers due to like evolution is like black people. Um, so basically black people are the only ones like with black, uh, with superpowers and how like, it's not a fun time actually. Why is it not a fun time? Are niggas being pacifist again? No, but it's like they're, they're getting rounded up. Like, because we're being pacifist again. (laughs) I see. Listen, I, if we were as violent as they said we were, we could have avoided a lot of problems. That's all I'm going to say about that. They're, they're definitely, like, they're on the run. They're on the run. They're getting rounded up. And it's in how, like, in, in I don't know. I think it's, I think that's an interesting, ex- I, th- I think that's a more interesting execution. Right. I'll tell you what, though. If the COVID vaccine gives me superpowers, y'all can't tell me nothing. I don't know. I don't, I won't know how to act. <laughs> I won't know how to act. <laughs> uh, what I would your keep superpower be, Em? Oh, my gosh. Um, I would definitely want it to be something like um, what Micah has, the ability to talk to machines. Oh, Or the ability that uh, that um, D.L. Hawkins has, which is, you know, the ability to walk, to move through solid objects. Because I know me, right? And I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and I know my limitations. So I don't think I could be trusted with, like, a Maury Parkman level type. But <laughs> also... Like some other powers, I am um, like, uh, um, Chasey's power to freeze things is completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I have ice cubes for the rest of my life. The fuck I'm going to do with that? I was about to say, like, you could, like, you know, you could f- always frost the vodka bottle. You would be such a hit at parties. Girl, I'm not trying to be popular. I'm trying to be paid. <laughs> 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 you could always get the wine bottle chili listen that, that could really do something <laughs> i don't even drink this is so useless <laughs> so what would your superpower be um you know this might put me on an fbi watch list but honestly i'm probably already on one uh but definitely maury parkman level i want to i want to mind control well, girl, as Michael Jackson once said, heal the world, make it a better place. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would, you know, I would tell, cause I just feel like I, mostly cause I believe in myself as like a, as a pretty principled person. Um, I've noticed that like, once I get power, I really don't exercise it in negative ways. <laughs> I'm I most- need to like jump into all the world leaders minds and like stop the war real quick. That would be super cool. <laughs> I would say at most, I'm just sort of, I tend to be, I tend to sometimes get lazy in like my responsibilities. That's like the worst thing I do when I have power. So I would probably, I would see myself obviously fixing my life and my finances um, and fixing my friends' lives and finances. But other than that, I'd probably like, yeah, I'd like be like, make serious bills about climate change. <laughs> and poverty like I'm that weird I'm that loser who'd be like and poverty and homelessness make Jeff Bezos give back his money <laughs> right or you don't even have to do that you can just go straight to the source and be like Jeff give me all your fucking money <laughs> give me all your fucking money like hey, hey Amazon workers fairly Jeff 
pay them fairly. Like, give them a 401k, Jeff. You know you can like, afford it. <laughs> you can afford it. Like, that's the, that's what I, and I know that. And once, cause once I got myself settled, I just don't think I'd care anymore. And I, and you would probably catch me like not even using it. I'd forget too. I know me. <laughs> like, I'd be like, oh, that's right. I can influence people. Like, that is my superpower. That's crazy. Season two. Season two sees kind of like an end or at least a hiatus to Noah's relationship with the Haitian. And he actually takes on Siler as his partner. Which, which is dumb as... <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> that was a choice that you made, I guess. Right. Um... And the reason why the Haitian leaves, uh, well, he he thinks a lot of things that Noah does are um, unethical, which they are. But also there's an eclipse coming. And they know that during this eclipse, all the heroes will temporarily lose their powers. So he has a place that he needs to go. And that place is back home to Haiti to deal with his brother, who is one of those people, like I said, he gets a little power. He don't know how to act. (laughs) Um, he is out there playing dictator in the small, in a, a small um, rural region. He's got underlings. He's got pawns. He's got sex slaves. He's just out here doing the worst. And he knows this is his one opportunity to stop his brother because his brother's pow- power is that he's impenetrable. Not to be confused with Claire's powers. She can be cut. She can bleed. She can do all of that, but she will regenerate whatever body part she needs to regenerate. His brother is impenetrable. He cannot be cut. He cannot be stabbed. He cannot be shot. So he's out here living like a god, and it's not that hard for him to make anyone, but especially poor country folk, think that he is a god or a demon. Of some sort, right? Right. It's really bad. It's a hot mess. And the only time he can deal with him is now. Because the only time the Haitians' powers... The only person the Haitians' powers don't work against, that his powers to, like, nullify your power, is against his own brother. Right? And we've seen this dynamic before. Maya's powers don't work against her twin brother, Alejandro. Right. So he needs this eclipse and this small period of time to kill his brother the old-fashioned way. <laughs> you know, when you got to do something, you do it yourself. You know, you want something done right. <laughs> I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> um, we meet another, you know, mild antagonist, L. Um, what is L's powers again? Elle has a really interesting power, and I remember her power was so good that when Hero tries to, uh, no one here, when Siler tries to kill her to take her power, she actually kills herself. Um, when she sees that there's no escaping him, she kills herself because she knows how dangerous her power would be in his hands. And I think it's suggestion. She can make you do anything that she tells you to do and make you see anything that she tells you is there. So it's like Maury Parkman light. Um, so how does season two end? Season two. So the eclipses happen. He, the, he, the Haitian is able to stop his brother, but he's intercepted by Siler because of fucking course. Siler was only in this ever to get his brother's powers. <laughs> right. 
Arthur Petrelli, uh, Nathan and Peter's father dies. Uh, he had a really, really interesting power as well. So they're kind of on their own at this point. Siler later turns on Noah and he holds Claire, Noah, Meredith, and Angela hostage. And the season closes out. Hold on. No, I'm sorry. I'm I'm on season three because this season was so short. Season two. Okay, so, all yeah. of this happened in season three. I'm so sorry. Season two closes out. Adam wants to unleash the virus. And this is a virus that will basically kill all of the superheroes. Hero buries him alive in a coffin. He teleports him and he buries him alive in a coffin. And Nikki's power is exposed because when Micah's cousin Monica is kidnapped, Nikki and specifically her alter ego, Jessica, goes to save Monica. And Nikki's powers are finally revealed to her. <gasps> and we end with the press conference and Nathan getting shot. So what do we think of season two, Good, Bad, or Basic? Um, it is... Mm, I would say it was... I, I like... I mean, it was fine. I liked it. I'm gonna give it a good minus, only because Same. Maya's annoying as hell. But, um... We don't have to deal with her super long. And I like, I'm sorry Alejandro died because she has no emotional regulation or, um, you know, discernment. But <laughs> yeah, that's what happened with them. And we don't have to deal with them very long. I think season three, the show gets back on track and rightfully so because they did what they needed to do with the web series and with Heroes Origins to get back in the audience good graces. So season three is split into two parts. The first part is 13 episodes and it's called Villains. And the second part is 12 episodes and it's called Fugitives. 25 episodes overall. Let's jump into it. Right. Okay. So season three opens with a lot of the stuff that you were saying before. We see Siler um, pop open Claire's head and take her power, but do doesn't eat her brainstem. Hero is looking for like his new destiny and, and what he's going to fight. Um, Mohinder is with Maya and they're talking about things. And the Petrellis are also, you know, out here doing things. Yeah, Mohinder and Maya doesn't really make sense to me. I understand your father was doing work with superhumans, and she is a superhuman. But that girl didn't have enough self-control to not kill her own relatives at her brother's wedding. Is that really who you're trying to be booed up with? You know... <laughs> <laughs> like whew, the choices that supposedly smart men make <laughs> you know i've seen a, all i'm saying is i i've seen lots of men act really da like daffy for a, a maya type so i i believe that he would do it <laughs> i mean she's pretty but is she worth dying over Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> no, I mean that's true. Yeah, it's so bad. Um, um, Claire finds out more about her abilities this season. Um, it's not just a defensive uh skill. Um, it can be it can be used offensively occasionally. A, a a power like hers, honestly, I don't mess with. Because like, what can you actually do to defend yourself? It's very limited. It's very very limited. 
about to say, you just have, like... <laughs> you just Claire gotta let shit happen can... to you and fix it later. <laughs> like, Claire... Claire can only fully realize herself if she, like, learns martial arts or something. Like, you know? Then, then it's, like, really, like, cool. Because then, you know, you can't be killed. Right, or at least if she had, like, a muscle-mimicking power, like a Monica, right? And she mm-hmm. was, like, the world's top athlete and the world's top martial art- artist. Then I'm like, okay, maybe you're doing something w- on top of the regeneration. But this is just very, very weird. Um, th- we are also introduced to Tracy this season. Tracy is looking for information about Nikki. Because apparently there were three of them. And this was alluded to in the very first season when we meet Nikki's father. There was Tracy, Barbara, and Nikki. But Tracy's looking for her siblings. There were three of them originally, Barbara, Nikki, and Tracy. Um, Barbara and Nikki were kept together. And Tracy was uh, placed separately. And um, in season one, when Nikki's talking to her father, it's made clear that Barbara died when they were children. And also that their father was abusive. And which is why Nikki developed DID and she has that alternate personality, Jessica. Mm-hmm. Tracy, however, was raised quite privileged and she's done very well with her life and she's looking for her long lost sister. So we're they're starting to integrate the character here, especially once she starts discovering her power and she's frightened by it and she wants to talk to obviously someone who has the same genetic material as her, hoping that they will understand. Right. So we we meet that character then. I think Ali Larder actually does a really good job playing um, both uh, Tracy and Nikki. They're very, very, very different people. Um, there's always something very wounded and very normal and almost like caged animal about Nikki as a result of her abuse, her DID. And you don't really see that with Tracy. She's always very calm, cool, and collected, quite literally cool. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I will say, like, she... I agree with that. Ellie Lar- Larder, for as much as I don't particularly like the Jesse Nikki-Jessica Nikki, character, she does, I think, um, draw really great parallels between the two. Yeah, definitely. And I think she plays someone with DID quite well, also, because the Jessica character is not... not not different from Nikki per se, but she's all the things that Nikki's afraid of being. It's basically Jessica's her Sasha Fierce. That's, I mean, a very scary, violent Sasha Fierce. She's just like, I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm not afraid of no man. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm going to get what I want because it's what I deserve. <laughs> um, we also get a future we we jump into a future where Claire is hunting down Peter Petrelli. Um, she's one of the villains now, and he's a fugitive. And um, because uh, basically uh, Peter has Peter has gained Siler's ability quite accidentally, but Siler's ability also comes with that insatiable hunger. So now she's got to she's got to put him down. Yeah, I remember, like, that. I felt like... I remember that, and I felt like that was a cop-out. That I Like, it felt like from the show... Um, it felt like the show was like, ooh, what if Peter was, like, you know... Because, it, Siler, because Siler's power started off as, like, 
when Tyler had the power to just the power helped to reveal like his true nature like putting that onto Peter and then having Peter suddenly then like be like maybe like quote unquote evil or whatever or like not as in control felt silly to me it felt silly to me too um that definitely felt like a filler episode and i'm glad it was just an episode and a vision of something that might be instead of something that will be um um we meet another superpowered person daphne she had i think it was multiple sclerosis but then when she her powers kicked in She's like Usain Bolt in these streets. She's like the Flash. Right. Um, her and her and Matt become an item because he, even though he was married in season one, he eventually leaves his wife because um, she not only had an affair but she got pregnant from that affair. So he leaves his wife in se- uh, at the end of season one, and him and Daphne become an item, and they're actually really really good together. The dynamic there is really really good. Greg Grunberg has pretty good chemistry with these women. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Um, and she is someone who is a character who doesn't last very long, but she makes an impact while she's there. I think that's what makes heroes interesting to watch. The characters who don't stick around very long, even the ones you don't like, are not here just to pass the time. They are here to make an impact. Yeah, they do. They they do have and find purpose and uh, and you know contribute contribute to the fabric of of this season. This season, Nathan becomes like like big Gestapo energy. <laughs> um, he basically gets the president's support to hunt and capture all people with abilities. Right. And then also, but not before. And then um, Siler ends up taking his place, right, as a senator. Right. Because uh, Siler does regain powers and his and the power he regains is like essentially being a shapeshifter. And then he. Yeah. And then um, he shapeshifts into Nathan and is like, let me do this. Like, let's go. Yes, it's that also is like a throwback to Manchurian Candidate. Um, but yeah, Missy Pendiger or, or the actress from Stick It, she was she's the person that he got this this power from. Um, she can she can pro- project herself to look however you want her to look. <laughs> and he was like, this shit is handy. And now he's in charge yay um honestly i trust hero i mean i trust Siler with this position more than nathan because nathan made it clear from season one episode one that he's willing to throw everybody under the bus yeah nathan's always i mean from the from the start of the series right when he when he's like you know gaslighting peter (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right um, he's like what do you mean you've been dreaming you can fly huh but like this whole time this thing has been flying <laughs> right and like he exactly and like we've seen i think that energy about him he's he's definitely set up from the beginning to be i think that figure that like turncoat um just despicable person uh particularly also when he sells out um when he 
uh, sells out Peter and is like, oh, yeah, like, I care about mental health because, like, my brother, like, committed suicide. <laughs> Almost committed suicide. Like, like you know, damn well he was trying to kill himself. Like, why are you milking that? <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing? Um, so, goofy. He's goofy as shit. Um, but the season, season three ends... Um, that's how season three ends. So Siler takes Nathan's place, and then the Petrellis and oh my god, Greg Grunberg's character, um, um, Matt Parkman, yeah, and Matt and Claire's dad all work together to sort of like s- essentially switch Nathan with you know, switch, you know, have them switch places, switch them back and, you know, get rid of Siler for once and for all and um, put Nathan back, I guess, in his quote unquote rightful place. And they succeed. They capture Siler and they burn Siler's body. Uh, and Nathan goes back to who he used to be. And that's how we end season three. Right, because Siler's ultimate plan was to meet the president and become him. Become <laughs> him. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. Um, Nathan honestly put these events into motion. I understand that Siler's the antagonist, but literally nothing good is going to come out of capturing and rounding up all the heroes. That's literally what Noah benefits has been doing his entire career. Who has that benefited? Right. Um, just because it has a government, um, sanction now doesn't make the idea any better. Y- y'all literally trying to bring back concentration camps. <laughs> like, no, it's not okay. Um, but what do we think of season three? Good, bad, or basic? Uh, season three is, I would say it's bad plus. <laughs> I'm going to give season three... I'm going to give it a good minus. And the reason why I'm giving it a good minus is because I didn't like what Nathan was doing. But also, I don't feel like they went off script or off character with him at all. Like, all that shit was on brand. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I guess, like, the show is fine in that, like, it focuses uh, in some sense in terms of, of, like, but I feel like it focuses in a way that we always knew it was going to focus in that, like, the big, all of the A story and the drama would revolve around, like, the Petrelli family and Siler. But as much as, like, watching that first season was difficult, I do miss the sort of, um, the commitment to telling a bunch of different people's stories and having to pull them together all in one throughout the course of the season versus like uh the Petrelli and Siler show. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. There was just way too much focus on that aspect. So the fourth and final season of Heroes is called Redemption. It's 18 episodes long. And you know, spoiler alert, the reason it's called Redemption is because the person who makes the biggest redemption arc is actually Siler. Which um, I, I do feel like he could have done more. Like, he could have okay, done girl. better. Yeah, it was very okay, girl, for me because he did a lot of shit that you just don't come back from. You don't, right? Like he's he's the villain. He's the villain. He's gonna stay the villain. Point blank. Period. Um. So, uh, 
In season one, episode one, orientation, Silas' consciousness manifests itself in Matt Parkman's mind, which is already weird as fuck to think about. How are you hijacking the mind of the mind master? Make that make sense. Um, But they'll do anything to keep this character going because I feel at one point this show didn't know when to tap out on its villain. And to his credit, Zachary Quinto, who plays Siler, is an ace actor. He really does give this character 110%. He understands the assignment. The writers, however, did not. This This season, we meet up with a bunch of characters who move in like a traveling circus type of situation. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because this carnival, um, which is led by a man named Sam, almost everybody there are super powered. And of course they're overlooked because they're quote unquote circus freaks, but they're all super powered. And Sam is one of the most powerful among them. He his power is the ability to create seismic activities, aka cause earthquakes. He actually caused a category five earthquake when he was being born. <laughs> He is kind of a dictator, right, to his his carnival family. However, it's undeniable that he's also protecting them from exposure um, and exploitation from the outside world. Um, one of the things that happens this season is that he avenges the death of a young boy. This season, also, Hero and his BFF, Ando, they go to Florida to save Mohinder from a mental institution because now they're acting like Mohinder's crazy. All that stuff that he and his daddy were talking about, they're cracked. They need psychiatric help. Because really, that's how science is, if we're being 100%. You're always crazy until you can prove that you're right. (laughs) Right. And, like, um... And and listen, they needed a story this season, I guess. Uh, so that's the one they got. But um, the the series ends, or at least the season ends with Sam, who's our antagonist, our Magneto. He he basically forces Emma to use her abilities to help him. Like sh- he. He he basically can get a boost off other people's energy. Like, if you're a very powerful supernatural as well, he can use your ability to boost his. Like, basically use it as a backup generator, which he does to kill thousands of people. Claire's put in a position where she knows the only way that she can divert his plan is by exposing herself. So she climbs to the top of the Ferris wheel and she jumps off. Off, right, right. And because he's going to do it at the big, like, carnival. Yes, it's all coming back. Um, And it's our heroes, quote-unquote, against Sam, uh, a.k.a. Magneto. And and it's very much a cliffhanger. Um, And it's a cliffhanger because the writer's strike essentially happens. So, naturally, the show went off air and um and they just they just didn't return. NBC did not return the show to sort of finish it out. Uh they did reboot the show however in 2015. Yeah, Heroes Reborn Briefly. and that was a flop and that it should not have work. Happened. And they really could have just done Heroes season 5. I uh, mean if but- they were going to do anything, but they shouldn't have done anything. They should have let it go. I mean, yeah, they shouldn't have done anything. I mean even writer strike or no writer strike, the se- I, by by um, the time season four comes around, 
I think ratings had dipped in a serious way. And I remember it sort of, it was, I remember there was just like lots of, lots of fan like grumbling about the direction that the show had generally taken. I couldn't tell you if it lost viewership. I really couldn't. But I do remember that critics were no longer happy with the show. Season one had been praised. And by the end of season two, they were just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I mean, that's fine. Because, like, the show is, like, it sort of is like that. It's very, but I feel like that's also just a part of the show. The show kind of being like, what the, like, WTF is, Mm -hmm. like, in its DNA by the time you get to the end of season one, and I wouldn't, ex- I wouldn't have expect any. I didn't personally expect any more like good coherence going into season two. I really feel like the Siler character should have been killed off at the end of season two. I feel like the Maya, Maya and Alejandro character should have never been introduced. I feel like the Isaac Mendez character was killed off too early. I feel like the L character was underutilized. Um, and I feel like the, the Micah character and his relationship with his aunt Tracy was underdeveloped and also underutilized. This is my feedback on the seasons from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all those things. I agree with all those things. I think, yeah, it could have. Also, Nathan is a scab. Throw him to the wolves. Stop protecting (laughs) it. (laughs) Right. I feel like we get too wrapped up in the Petrelli drama. I feel like the show could have really benefited from what I think Buffy did, which was have like a different big villain each season. Um, Mm -hmm. I think think the hero, I think all the characters beyond the Petrelli family could have stood to be a bit more fully realized. I feel like the Mohinder character is great, but they never quite know what to do with him at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, like they sort of like Mohinder is kind of like their Giles, but like even Giles, like you know, did things right. Like right, like his he literally had a job. He was the watcher. Like sure, like Giles did things, and I think had um. Uh, motivations and and had like a a really clear character and I think um, they could have done that here but you know it is what it is um yeah heroes uh season four what do you think (laughs) season four I think it's I think it's like basic minus I'm gonna give season four bad um The the silent character was just played out. I'm tired of Nathan's bullshit. I'm tired of of Noah, no loyalty, Bennett. (laughs) I'm tired. I'm tired of a lot of these. I'm tired of a lot of these people. I was really only here for Hero, Ando, and Mohinder, who I agree they did not know what to do with that man um, by the end of season two. Um, But uh, to answer your question, did it need a reboot? Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, you should have paid your writers the first time you lightning doesn't strike the same place twice. Like there is a, there was a fire generated and a fan base generated behind that show. We're not going to keep the same energy. Like, you know, six years later. Right. That's true. Um, I've heard 
rumblings that they're going to try to reboot it again. I think that's a mistake. We've had Heroes Origins. We've had Heroes Reborn. We've had the Heroes web webisodes. How much more can you say? How many different ways can you say it before it clicks? We don't want it anymore. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, I... I agree. Um, yeah, I don't really want, like, I don't need it. Like, the, the moments passed. Shout out to Zachary Quinto, who became, like, uh, a.k.a. Sky Siler, who became a huge star, at least after this show. Um, and went on to do some movies and, be in, and then be in Ryan Murphy. Uh, right. Join. You have to understand that everything has a season. Things are not meant to go on forever. Like, I stopped watching Grey's Anatomy back in season eight. There ain't no way in hell. You couldn't... Actually, you could. But you'd have to pay me to finish watching that series right now. I can't go back. I cannot recapture the magic. And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made heroes good bad basic and epic if you'd like to check out this series heroes is currently streaming for free on nbc.com and their streaming service peacock if you've enjoyed this episode of the good the bad the basic be sure to share it with your friends if you're a patron on our patreon be sure to check out our heroes playlist tune in next week as we keep this season going with a discussion on fx's comic book based psychological thriller legion legion is currently streaming on hulu get into the series because you don't want to miss out on this conversation the good the bad the basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms so be sure to tune into our regular weekly episodes on the go using your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media please follow us at the good bad basic on twitter and at good bad basic pod on instagram to get in on our daily content also be sure to follow our soundcloud page the good the bad the basic where all of our weekly episodes debut if you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron over on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Ooh. So I actually really like...